your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And you're listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. Sounds like you got your professional radio guy voice going today. Yeah, you're listening to TopCast. <laughs> coming at you live, <laughs> spinning the hits here at 745. We've got a traffic on the nines. Mm-hmm. You and I, we could be the morning zoo of online learning. Or the afternoon zoo? I don't know. It's <laughs> just after the general, general zoo. unkempt <laughs> zoo. Yeah, it's probably the theme there. There's a callback I haven't thought of in a long time. You might remember this too. On PBS, of course, there's Sesame Street. There's Mr. Rogers, uh, Via Alegre. Uh, but there was also the New Zoo Review. It's the New Zoo Review. Come and ride at you. Oh, yeah. I remember the New Zoo Review. I loved yeah. it. Zoom. The hippo, Henrietta Hippo. Was Henrietta Hippo, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was all good. That's good stuff. That's what I think of. So if I could be that kind of uh, online learning zoo, I'm okay. That's yeah, a good zoo to be I'll in. I'll take that kind of zoo. <laughs> That's a good yeah. zoo. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. we, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know what they do in zoos? I, they drink coffee. Well, <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to get there, but I didn't see it. I still don't. Because <laughs> I don't you, know that that's true. I probably should have let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I, do they? Do they? Yeah, <laughs> do they well, in this zoo, we do. Okay, that's good. Well, I was just going to say, we haven't said this in a while, but uh, we do describe this show as a collegial conversation about online teaching and learning conducted over a shared cup of coffee, which is why we do kind of bring in the coffee a little bit now and again. So it's all good. So, yes, in this zoo, we drink coffee. Yes. That's another, way, another yes. way of saying it. And I'm drinking something that you, you have are. poured for me just momentarily ago. A moment mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Something something like that. And um, I'm sipping it and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Uh, you're probably wondering what it is. I am wondering what it is. Hmm. Well, today's Coffee Tom comes to us from TopCast listener, former guest, and OLC colleague, Dr. Jessica Knott. Jess had a hometown roaster, Strange Matter Coffee, in Lansing, Michigan, ship us this light-roasted, single-origin, natural-processed Ethiopia from the Sadamo region. We've had a variety of Ethiopian coffees over the years on the show, and we've discussed previously that with a few distinct growing regions and unique flavor profiles, Ethiopian coffees have a well-deserved reputation for being among the best in the world. So, how's the coffee? And could you find a connection to today's topic in there somewhere? Um, I, I like the coffee. Thank you, Jessica Knott. Um, the uh, connection, I'm, uh, I, was, I was listening hard. Because uh-huh. uh, sometimes you, uh, you, uh, you embed your connections. Uh, <laughs> Deep, obfuscate. You, you gotta go deep. Yeah, um, and and the only thing that's sort of popping out at me was um, your last sentence. I think would you say a well well deserved reputation? Yes, uh, for being for the, among the best in the world. For being among the best in the world. That's right. And um, today we're going to be 
talking about reputations, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's the connection. Yes, that's that's all I had, Tom. That's all I had. <laughs> all right. Reputation and shooting for being best in the world. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all I. That's all, that's all I that had. Too. Yeah. That's right. So maybe we'll say uh, as a little bit of a preamble as this episode releases. Uh, top of April 2021, a full year of ad hoc emergency remote instruction is behind all of us in higher education and K-12 education. Can you believe it? No, a whole year. It's been more than a year now. More than. Throughout the past year, we've addressed many current and anticipated impact of this activity in the field of online education. But one thread we'd like to pull, we'd like to examine a bit more closely is what we think of as the need for reputation repair in our field following a year of widespread adoption of ad hoc practices and emergency online tool use. And I think we've been pretty clear, we've certainly tried to be throughout the past year of TopCast episodes, that our position is that actual well-designed and supported online education is quite different from ad hoc emergency pandemic response of remote instruction. But we've said before that uh, this distinction is kind of lost on many stakeholders. For instance, some of our students, some of our parents, lawmakers, the public. So that's why our focus today is on post-pandemic reputation of online education. How's that? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, and as you know, because I've talked about it, it's something I've been thinking about mm-hmm. a lot lately, and I've I've been using whatever platform I have and meetings and conferences and things to kind of bring it up. Because I, I worry, you know, yep. we've we've had so many people, as you said, who have experienced Zoom University or Zoom <laughs> high school or elementary school yeah. for the past year. I mean, there's mm-hmm. even jokes. You can buy a Zoom University shirt oh, now, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. There are lawsuits. There are class action lawsuits yeah. Yeah. all across the country about people yeah. who sort of not happy with the experience that they've had. And, and this may be their only exposure that they've ever had to online learning. Yep. And that's a shame. Uh-huh. Um, when this is all sort of over and we get back, I hope, to some level of intentionality and design in all of our offerings. I mean, we haven't stopped doing that, but we've mm-hmm. added in some of this more emergency instruction stuff. And, I, and, I, and I'm speaking sort of collectively as a community now, not just at UCF, yeah, where that's right, certainly been true too. Um, I, I worry that these people will have preconceived notions mm-hmm. of what online learning is based on this less than mm-hmm. optimal experience that they may have had, especially in the K-12 space, where it's yeah. just been really hard for so many across the country. I agree with that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I've, I've, I know we've talked a lot about this on microphone and off microphone. And, um, you know, I think we don't do this enough, honestly, um, in our field is look, I mean, apart from the pandemic, looking at what's going on currently in K-12 in anticipation for what's going to come, you know, say five years down the path, you know, three to five years down the path. Because we're fortunate, you know, in our state, we've got one of the most long-standing, we've talked about this before, one of the most long-standing K-12 virtual schools in the in the U.S., Florida Virtual School. It's uh, the largest, I think, in the world or something. And it's quite good. 
you know, I mean, it, it, they do they do a lot right, uh, or, or you know, mostly right, whatever. They they're good at it. Uh, so it's good to see what that. But that's not what everybody experiences in their in no. in K twelve. In, in but even even with that, as good as the Florida Virtual School is, and, and I it's think not they what are, we do. It's, it's not different what we than do. what we do. That's yeah, right. their model is very different. There's a, yeah. there's a a teacher that that is kind of hyper engaged with his or her students mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to the point where they they call the parents right to make sure that the yep. students staying up with the work and to yep. inform the parents. And, you know, the joke I always make is that our American government faculty member, and you know who I'm talking about, he's not going to call you no. to see why you didn't turn in your assignment. No. I mean, you're 18 years old or older. That's you're right. an adult now. That's and right. it's your job to turn in the assignment on time. And That's it's right. a different model. They're, the mm-hmm. safety nets aren't quite there uh, that they might be even under ideal circumstances for a, 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 a K-12 online experience. That's right, that's right. So that combined with right. the virtual instruction that everybody's had, yep. that based on, we've talked about this early in the pandemic when some of the, um, some of the surveys came out, but I'll, I'll sort of just mm-hmm. recap briefly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about a third of the students who are surveyed, and it's kind of been our experience here as mm-hmm. well, kind of don't like it. Right. And, um, and I think I understand, uh, I think it's a combination of factors. The first is, these are students who chose face-to-face courses. They wanted reason. to be face-to-face, <laughs> right. right. They, and then they were forced to be into a, a, a remote instruction environment, uh-huh. kind of against their will. Now, uh-huh. it was against everybody's will. It was a worldwide mm-hmm. pandemic. What are you going to do? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is what it is. But it doesn't mean they liked it because they didn't, if they wanted right. to be online, they would have been online prior to mm-hmm. the pandemic. That combined with the fact that we had faculty that were equally thrust into this entirely new pedagogical environment and may or may not have gotten adequate training. It, mm-hmm. At a minimum, they got technical training, let alone maybe not pedagogical training. Right. Um, so they, they're probably, through no fault of their own, not awesome at it yet. <laughs> So you got a bunch of students who didn't want to be there in the first place and faculty who are still figuring it out. Um, it's, it's probably not a recipe for the best possible educational experience. And I understand some of the dissatisfaction. And honestly, I think that we've done as well as we have um, as a community. I think UCF mm-hmm. in particular, we've done mm-hmm. very well, if I could brag a little on the, our university. But in general, across the, the country, the fact that we've done as well as we have is a testament to creativity of faculty and yep. the support of online learning units and others. But yep. that doesn't mean everybody liked it, right? And so that no, third no. of people, especially high school students, are mm-hmm. showing up in our doors this summer and fall with a, a kind of their arms crossed and their face frowny and saying, you know, online learning sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't right. want that. And, and we're going right. to have to somehow reset those expectations to say, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe what you experienced wasn't optimal and you didn't like it, but that's not what we do here. And if you're going to be online, it, it affords an awful lot of advantages and convenience and even academic success to you, and it's not what you're expecting. Yeah, you know, gosh, that takes my head so many different ways, so many different places, Tom. I mean, there's certainly, like for folks like us, uh, many of our institutions, we offer resources to help onboard students into like online courses. We do that here. We have something, our, our, our 
mascots, sort of the knights is kind of the metaphor. And so we have knights online and, and we've talked recently about kind of tweaking that, you know, with a, give it a little bit of a refresher, fresh coat of paint with an eye toward, you know, this immediate experience of incoming former K-12 students. But it's even beyond that, right? Like you really want people who are like, doing orientation or advising. You, you really want, I remember years and years ago, um, I'm not even sure how far, early 2000s at least, where we sort of, there was, we reached ubiquity with basic web technologies. We were like one of the Yahoo most wired campuses and all that kind of stuff. And we actually started putting in the course catalog statements along the lines of, welcome to UCF. During your tenure here, you can expect to encounter web-based technologies regardless of, of the course that you're in. We're gonna kind of expect that. And that was sort of this disclaimer, sort of level setting. And it's almost like a version of that that's needed now that sort of you know, takes a fresh look at, welcome to UCF. We do digital learning really well here. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> We're going to expect you to engage. It's a lot of offerings here. It's not what you had back in K-12 or wherever, right? And that's tough to try to get everybody on that song sheet. It is. Um, and um, as you know, because it's, it's your team that's working on it, we are updating our Nights Online mm -hmm. um, kind of orientation videos uh, to include some of that expectation setting. And we've had that in the past, um, but it was much more oblique, and it wasn't as explicit. It was sort of like, hey, you may have experienced something different in the Florida Virtual School. You've but definitely experienced something different now. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's time to, to bring uh, put a spotlight on that and just yeah. make sure it's really you know, front and center for students as they come in that, that this is a little different. We've also talked in the past about some of the work that our marketing department did mm -hmm. Um, to stand up their our own kind of digital learning information page yeah. uh, as part of the core.edu site for us. Mm -hmm. Not our UCF online site or the right. digital learning site or the CDL site that we manage, but something that's front-facing. Mm -hmm. and, and it's actually, there's a part of the view book now about mm -hmm. how the digital online view book, about how well we do online learning, our history, our experience, this is our 25th year doing it, mm -hmm. to, to sort of lean into that expertise during the time when everybody was anxious about having yeah. to take everything online. And that's, that's helped, I think, mm -hmm. because it, it's helped to, to put the, the broader uh, power of the university communications machine behind mm -hmm. that message. Um, but I'm not sure that's getting to everybody. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do, and that's what worries me a little bit is we've already put in some effort on this and it's, and it's sort of still an issue and uh, it's not gonna just go away. Uh, and that's even just in our own institutional context, just like the institutional context of our listeners. But then there's sort of our broader kind of higher ed context and, and kind of the, the reputation of online and digital learning broadly across the US, across the world. You know, I, I, we've talked about this. You've, you've sort of put out there that, you know, we really need kind of a, a bigger push, you know, across the industry 
may be an opportunity for a lot of folks to collaborate, maybe a number of professional associations somehow, to do a version of what you just described at our institution. You know, how do you take that big message way out there? <laughs> we know something about online education. We do it well. Here's what the data say. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, you know, I've, I've sort of described it as we need sort of a national PR ca campaign mm -hmm. that um, can maybe do some of this lifting with the media and policymakers and parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's across the board of people who I think have a certain set of expectations based upon the experience of the past year that, that it would be good to reset. Uh, it reminds me a little bit, many years ago, I, I was asked by uh, Diana Oblinger when she was president of Educause to, mm -hmm. to, to join um, a group that was writing kind of a policy white paper across a bunch of different higher ed organizations mm -hmm. like OLC and UPSIA uh, and WCET. There's a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I think it was Jarrett Cummings and I were, were uh, mm -hmm. the Educause people. And mm -hmm. it, it, was to, it was to accomplish something like that about sort of the value proposition of online learning that could be mm -hmm. shared with um, policymakers. We all met at the UPSIA office. No, we met at Cooley's offices in DC, I think, mm. um, when they existed, I guess, as a, as a law, law firm. And, and it was really targeted at sort of that Washington corridor of mm -hmm. policymakers. And, and I wonder if we shouldn't do something again yeah. like that and you yeah. know, get all of those professional organizations together right. to put out a statement or do some press releases or put some tracks mm -hmm. into some conferences or, I don't know, push them into other conferences like yes. Nakuba or, or yes. other kinds of, you know, uh, non-online conferences. I think that's an excellent idea. I really do. I mean, I joked about it before we started this recording, like, you know, like it or hate it, you know, Garrison Keillor's made fun of like the National Ketchup Council or whatever on Prairie Home Companion. But, you know, I mean, there was a time when you, you know, milk, it does a body good. And you got celebrities and, you know, and they got little milk mustache and, you know, whether you're lactose intolerant or not. I mean, most of us remember <laughs> of a certain age that 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 campaign came out. And whether you make fun of it or not, it's like, boy, there was, there was a message that you remember that... Yeah. Uh, that the milk council put together. <laughs> we need we need the national milk council for online education. Well, maybe it's worthwhile to to think about maybe not just complaining that you don't understand what it really is, but <laughs> uh, you know some some principles that that we can yeah. kind of hang our hat on that are that could potentially be part of that kind of a message. Mm -hmm. So um, I mean, one of them is that. We've, as I said, we, we've been doing this for 25 years now, yeah. and there are other yeah. schools like us. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not been quite that long, it's been a long time. We've got a corpus of research yeah. and efficacy data that yeah. show that we know what we're doing when this is done right. You know, yep. how do we share that? Yeah, I mean, Oregon State curates that efficacy database from a disciplinary standpoint. Uh, which is great. We've got a long-standing longitudinal impact evaluation work here, thanks to Drs. Chuck Jubin and Patsy Moskal. Uh, shout out to our colleagues over at Sunny Oswego, SUNY Oswego's uh, Tea for Teaching podcast. Um, they did a recent episode, It's Been a Year, which I love. It's a great title. <laughs> it's been a year. And it's been a it's year. It's been a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and they make a, a good, strong defense of... of kind of real online education is differentiated from, you know, these, you know, this more recent stuff. I think, I think that's all good. 
you know, we've got our own uh, teaching online pedagogical repository, what we anchor down to professional practice and research literature. There's lots of stuff. Tanya yeah. Justin's data work, um, you know, that national center out of um, University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee that she runs. We have lots of stuff that we can offer up. Um, Shout out to our own teaching online pedagogical repository. Yes. Yeah. topper.online.ucf.edu. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, yep. And you know, another, another aspect of this, and you, you sort of alluded to it a little bit as you were talking about sort of the, the lack of understanding of what we really do. And it's something I've dealt with a lot because I've, I've had to write letters to parents and, or respond to messages from parents. Mm -hmm. and, and there has been a theme that when students who maybe haven't experienced online learning before have been placed into our what we would call high quality online asynchronous courses that they're quote unquote having to teach themselves. I hate that. Yeah, and <laughs> that they're not getting their money's worth, the faculty have abdicated their responsibility and they're not doing anything and uh, they've abandoned the course, so to speak. It's just, you know, here's a bunch of materials, go teach yourself. Like, here's a book, go teach yourself. And of course, we know that's not the case. But it's based on a mental model of, uh, I think you, you said this, telling isn't teaching and listening isn't learning, right? Yeah, that's uh, right. And, and that's what goes through my mind when I think about these situations because they've got this mental model of, of a, a lecture hall, say, yeah. and a faculty member in the front, sage on the stage, just talking at you, filling up the receptacles of knowledge while they all mm -hmm. sit there dutifully, uh, dutiful, dutifully, say that 10 times, mm -hmm. um, absorbing the wisdom from the front of the room, and, and that, that equals learning. And so, of course, the analog online for that is, um, okay, you're on Zoom. You talk at me. I listen. It's just like the classroom. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. And maybe it's better in an asynchronous course that's been well-intentionally designed that has engaging media and pedagogy and discussions and other kinds of things. And how do we, how do we reset the expectations around the co-construction of learning, around constructivist pedagogy, yeah. without sounding defensive? It's yeah. something that I've tried to walk a line on. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Um, I, I get that. And um, you and I were talking a little while ago before we hit record that um, I just left a uh, session earlier today that Tanya Justin was doing within the Blended Learning Summit at the OLC Innovate uh, 2021 conference. And she shared a construct which I liked a lot. I, I can't remember if I've seen it before or not, but she, she described it as like four dialectics, right? Four continua, right? Uh, four domains, um, technology, time, space, and pedagogy. And she was talking about blended learning, but, you know, there's, there's a range in each of those. And she said, you know, the first three, you know, like technology, you're kind of at the midpoint. It's a blend. Uh, time and space, there's a midpoint because it's a blend. But pedagogy, it, it kind of ranges from like passive to active. You want active. <laughs> you know? And right. I think that's true of all of our modalities, whether it's fully online, gosh, even, even fully face-to-face, -face, you know, and, but we don't act that way. Right. You know, we, we, in face-to-face, -face, we talk about active learning like it's an unusual thing. Online, I think we've lost this. I think we've lost ground on this over the last couple of decades. But, you know, when we started out, the assumption was, like you said, co-construction of knowledge, constructivist. The expectation by default is you're more active than you would have been 
in a in a traditional face-to-face -face course. Right. Uh, so that's different. That's not fill their heads with knowledge. Right. Yeah. And then you know there are advantages to asynchronous flexibility that uh, that that work for the non-traditional learner, that uh -huh. or even for traditional learners with non-traditional demands on their lives, whether it's work or you know even. I don't know. You're you're an intercollegiate athlete, or yep. you're a, in student government, or fraternity life, or something, um, sorority life, whatever. You know that 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 puts demands on your time, and it gives you some flexibility if you have an asynchronous class. Yes. If you if you don't have an asynchronous online class, if it is just log into Zoom at ten o'clock on Thursday and and get lectured, you, you eliminate half of that flexibility. Yeah. You you know you're singing my song. I mean I've been as you know, bemoaning this for, for a while. Like, I think we have to be open-minded post-pandemic about uh, seeing things new and, and being open to the role of synchronous online teaching and learning and, and how our experience with synchronous have done well can mutate some of our existing digital learning modalities. But we must not do that in a way that disadvantages you know, students who have benefited Right. from two and a half decades of doing it well, right. the asynchronous way. Yeah, agreed. So I don't, I don't know we want to belabor it any more than we yes, already yes, have. Yes, yes, I do. Let's beat that drum <laughs> some more. Yeah, but I don't know, here's official, for those who are listening who might be uh, in, in positions of authority at our various professional organizations, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. if you want to all meet in Orlando, we'll host you in our building <laughs> to, right, to write up something. You I'll know, make I guess, some coffee. Yeah, we'll bring coffee um, you know, when it's, I guess, you know, everybody's ready to, to travel again. But if not, we'll host the Zoom meeting That's right. uh, if, if you want to, to facilitate that kind of a discussion. I, I really do think it's worthwhile. I agree with that. Uh, it, it's important to get that, that message out. And it, it's not defensive. It's about looking out for students. It's about advancing the value of, of, of meaningful learning. You know, it's 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 all about that. Well, it's, it's also just telling the truth in many ways. It's about what we actually do, as opposed mm -hmm. to what you think we do. Yeah, that is that is true. I don't know. I I, I think we're coming down to the finish line, Tom. Shall I try to um, land the bow? <laughs> yes, land so the bow. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, post pandemic. When this is all over, and I sort of feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. I've had my first shot as we're recording this. Me too. Um, there will be uh, a far larger group of people who have firsthand experience with, or even indirect knowledge of, what they consider mm -hmm. online education as a result of what we would call remote instruction. And as online education professionals, we need to start working now on rebuilding the high quality reputation of of our traditional, quote unquote, real online courses. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you, absolutely. I think that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. So let's, let's do that. Yes, okay, you said it, we'll do it. Right. Well, that's a good place to, to leave it. So, hey, we'd love to hear from you, dear listeners. If, um, if, if you wanna engage with us about brainstorming and how to do that, your own institutions, I'll put us out there. I'll say, hey, we'd be happy to talk to you. Reach out to us, topcast at ucf.edu. You know, somebody will get back to you. It might even be 
one of us. <laughs> but we'd love to engage about how to move this forward. Well, Tom, uh, I guess it's about time to, uh, to pull the ripcord on this shoot. So until next time for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya.